Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Are you ready for a good time? Yeah! Because welcome to the Smackdown Review. I'm Michael Hamflick from What Culture, and I'm joined by my fellow Dadly boy, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to discuss everything that happened on this week's episode of Friday Night Smackdown. But first, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only preview and review Smackdown, but also Monday Night Raw, Friday Night Smackdown, I've just said that, the brand formerly known as NXT 2.0. AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We also hold wrestler interviews, roundtable discussions, and have a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz. Michael Sidgwick, I've been very excited all weekend to discuss this Smackdown with you. There was a return, which, as we've already sort of foreshadowed, yeah. we're extremely excited about getting into. Uh, another Smackdown with big angle developments, big uh, sort of... Matches with ramifications, et cetera, et cetera. But this was always going to be about the return of Bray Wyatt himself. We will get to that in the main event. But how did you feel about this show overall, especially with the anticipation building to them yet again, stretching out to the very last thing on the show? It hung, I thought, throughout this entire episode that they knew they had something big for a change. Shockingly into certain things that I never thought I would be into. (laughs) There's an idea that I think is very, very, very strong, and I'm really into it. Mm. The bad news is that there was something pertaining to the thing I'm most into that I just thought piss off. And I got really, and I got very defensive about and I feel a rant coming, and I feel like it's uh, me in the pub addressing the world's problems. Yeah. The conspiratorial person. Michael Sidgwick addresses his enemies. Yes. <laughs> the only person who knows the real truth. And I feel like that's going to come out. So The Fiend was on SmackDown after all, and it was you. (laughs) It was you all along. Um, We're ready for a good time, but uh, Drew McIntyre was not. He uh, assaulted Karrion Cross in the cold open to this show. Uh, We saw um, the events of a car crash that had taken place with Karrion Cross and Scarlett both selling the impact. Um, And Drew McIntyre was clearly involved. He runs up and he jumps him and he assaults him. Um, Karrion Karrion Cross looks in a dreadful way, but the show starts proper with a graphic that suggests he's going to be in a fatal four-way tonight to determine a new number one contender for Gunther's Intercontinental title but much more on that later. Uh, we're opening with the advertised Kofi Kingston versus Sami Zayn. Um, there's a couple of little details here. Um, we've got, at first, the uh, the backstage gorilla position shot of uh, the bloodline. In this case, it was Sami Zayn, um, Juso, and was Solo Sikoa there? I can't remember, but either way. Solo Sikoa. Solo Sikoa was there. Uh, Sami Zayn's phone rings, and it's uh, Roman Reigns. It's quite a, oh, shh, tribal chief, tribal chief. 
and on the phone. It's all very much a bit of a, it's a cute way to do exposition of, now you lost on Raw, so you must win tonight. It's just there to remind the viewers, like the, the thickest ones in the back would like to say. But again, it's the bloodline, so it's clearly inspiring a bit of creativity in people at the moment. Sami Zayn absolutely pisses himself as Jey Uso desperately tries to like fight for the phone, and Sami just nods with, that's an inside joke. It's okay, you wouldn't get it. That's incredible. It's great, and Jay was so happy to like be a part of it. Yeah, <laughs> to the point where if Sammy Zayn was switched on a little bit, he could have went, "Oh, he's saying this," but Sammy remains just such an arsehole, and yet such a baby face. It's intoxicating. Roman Reigns and Sammy Zayn and uh, inside jokes. Like that's absolutely- and it's not stupid because he kind of breaks when Sammy's at his best on the yeah. TV segments as well. Like that, he's finding funny now. That's all to lead into the match, and again, um, another detail that I really appreciate: the new day coming to the aisle doing the usual stick. And at this point, it is now out there. Um, it was Xavier Woods on the microphone making it clear that, um, you know, they, they don't fear the bloodline. They're not scared by them. And their tag team record means a lot to them. We are, like, absolutely on the road to what's probably going to be an absolute ripper of a TV main event. Yeah, yeah. And how can you continue to say that about New Day Usos yeah, yeah. matches? They've, like, basically, this is a bit of a cheat code, but it's a pretty good one. And what we've got is, a, like, a decent match than follows. I wouldn't say it was... Um, like the, and they certainly weren't wrestling to steal the show or anything like that, but it was an enjoyable um, out in between the two. There was like there was a moment in the match where it looked like they got a little bit lost on a Hurricane Rana spot, but like again, you just like watching instinctive, experienced professional wrestlers that kind of pulled something that could have been disastrous back from the fire. Like into a pin attempt. Yeah, yeah. so there was no like terrible injury off the back. Ultimately, what we saw in the end was uh, Sammy ever so slightly unlocking old babyface Sami Zayn, the, the blue thunderbomb for the near fall two count. That was a classic. It was a great near fall I'll get it well. this time, I'll get it this time. And it's reminding you, you're starting to see the signs of Sami Zayn being the wrestling babyface again. These matches are a great excuse to do all story stuff, all story stuff, and then just put in, peppering the glimpses of Sami yeah. Zayn as the babyface. But ultimately, it's Jey Uso who is there. Um, they're over in a pinning combination, and Jey Uso uses his foot to power Sami Zayn on top of Kofi Kingston. For That's how he held Jimmy loads as well during yes. the initial part. During the initial, rain. like the, the the original, like right hand man bloodline days. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they get the win, and there's a nice bit of uh, like sort of exchanges between Sammy and Jay after the fact, where Jay is almost um, there's nearly an embrace between the two, and yet Sammy seems to no sell that he needed Jay's help whatsoever. Jay has at least at this time followed the instructions that he failed to on Raw. What were your thoughts on the match and that kind of post Raw development? If we're not going to get exhilarating superheated action, which we're not. Maybe one day when Triple H finally relaxes everything and the fans finally realize if we're not going to get great action, we don't necessarily need to. It's WWE. Mm. I like proper drama in front of a massive, massive crowd. And, you know, Kofi Kingston and Sami Zayn have, like, aged in ways that it doesn't look like, but sometimes it does feel like. So you're not going to get this absolute balls-to-the-wall, super dramatic match where, on paper, about seven years ago, this looks amazing. It's not PWG versus WWE Dream match stuff, is it? And it's not quite that in terms of the action, but the drama's out the ass. There's near falls that I'm really biting on. And ultimately, I care quite deeply, at least when I'm in that little zone watching WWE, about the the direction in which um, the Sami Zayn character goes. I want him to win because I don't want the moment where he gets battered off the bloodline yeah. because I like the character too much. And they are so smart by putting him in these matches and this sort of like prolonged initiation um, of sorts because he's only honorary yet. They might even get another fake out of, you're not an honorary member of this goddamn bloodline anymore. Take off that shirt. Mm-hmm you're inducted properly. Like, they could yeah. have another go at that, and then... The I, got, I got nervous you even pitching that, yeah. and that, oh, they're going to beat him up this time. And it's like, you're just imagining that segment. That's not even really happening. Yeah. yeah, you just don't want him to get his arse kicked because he's too entertaining and he's yeah. too lovable. 
and he's a dickhead, but you know deep down that you love him, um, or he would deserve it as well. It's all sorts. There's all sorts going on here, but the near falls are great. Got a little bit of a go on, help him when yeah. Jay did it, and I got like a relief. That, oh, the guy who's the funniest and the most entertaining has been granted a stay of execution um, for a further week. So that was absolutely tremendous stuff. Uh, I care deeply about who wins and who loses a WWE TV match. Like, it's shocking, really. Uh, I've got problems with something that happened later on as it pertains to the storyline okay. and, indeed, this match. But, yeah, I was on the hook for this, and I really enjoy the fact that Sami Zayn won, and I just want him to be in this thing forever, and I also want to see him get yeah. excommunicated from it. Which is the perfect feeling for a storyline, isn't it? You yeah. want to pay off, but you're just loving the journey too much. We'll come back to that later, because I'm interested in that, because I've been finding, and I hit a certain wall with it later on this show, but I find every interaction at this point between every individual Bloodline member to be kind of magnetic. This time it was like, I was looking for some sort of fist bump or some hug between Sammy and Jage, but like... I want them to be can, mates. Can, can you do it? Can you yeah, I want then, them to be mates. Like, I'm, I'm enjoying every like, individual interpersonal relationship between yeah. all the characters at this point. But, yeah, I'm curious to follow up and see if we had, like, the same thoughts on something later on. Uh, we go backstage, and um, Triple H is confronted by a disconsolate Rey Mysterio who says he um, cannot be on Raw anymore because he just can't be around Dominic. He will never fight him. He pledges that yet again. But as a, he doesn't know what to do because all that Dominic is doing is trying to fight him and trying to bait him and all those things. He wants to quit. There's no other way to get through this. Triple H uh, puts an arm around his shoulder and says, come into my office, we'll have a chat, we'll see if we can resolve this. And indeed, there would be a resolution that would be delivered later on in the show. But we will If they can jack Tony Triple H yeah, in moments like this, yeah. where it's like, right, he has to be the absolute last line of defense in mm. terms of intervening, in terms of storyline decisions. If they can Triple H jack Tony... This was quite powerful. It's like, oh, Triple H is on screen. There mm. must be some well, gravity to what Rey Mysterio's thinking here. And it's kind of shocking to see Triple H on screen, even though he's been the DX guy the week, uh, well, that very week earlier in the week, in fact. But yeah, this felt like, Jesus Christ, uh, Rey Mysterio's actually out of options. Yeah, I think like, that's a really good point, that, because what we've seen is a, so this is a SmackDown card where the matches have happened without Triple H having to come out and say, tonight, you're going to take on so-and-so. Yeah. He's there because someone might, want to quit the company yeah yeah like it, we've always said you want an administrator because a wrestling company requires a little bit of administration the matches and the wrestlers do not jack tony was the most boring bastard yeah of all time even the if trees he, behind his office window look yes. a bit browning and yellowing and yeah and if you would see him every single week you'd think oh, this is dreary <laughs> yeah this is boring but when you're a young child watching jack tony you think well he's the boring teacher he's the boring dad you take him seriously because he's Who's paying you off, Tony? Woo! Yeah. Like the, the Ric Flair. Like, there's nobody better to contrast. Yeah. Like this. He's the most boring guy, but it's like, oh, trouble. There must be trouble if he's around to kind yeah. of quell it. And he had that sort of great school teacher of, you know, like boring old men are really scary when yeah. you're young. <laughs> like, Jack Tony had that authoritative aura about him. And, you know, Triple H isn't going to get that, but, you know, you can reserve the appearances to sort of, cr like... Maybe being boring that. can finally be useful for Triple H rather than well, complete disaster on screen. Maybe he's finally going Maybe. Yeah. Oh, maybe yeah. he should have been Tony all along. That was it, yeah. You've been that dull for decades, and only now is it finally paying off. LTST. It's all, <laughs> it's all come together. LTST. Speaking of coming together... That's what uh, these little jabronis, yet again, WWE is incredible at finding jobbers. Uh, James Maverick and Brian Thomas's bodies did when Braun Strowman absolutely wrecked them with what's now being called a monster bomb. I think more because he power bombs one guy into another. That's what elevates it from being a standard power bomb. He squashes these two losers and he's presented as the mo not just the monster among men, the monster among monsters. Yeah. That is, of course, to um, 
I guess, like, have a bit of a, a dig at anybody else, but especially right now, Omos, who happens to just be in attendance with MVP. MVP comes out and does a talking for him. He laughs at the idea that Braun can possibly be the Monster Raw Monsters because have you seen the size of this guy? Omos is, of course, physically bigger, but they've been able to keep them apart for the time being yeah. and not, like, reveal that, I suppose. But this is basic setup for what we assume is what, a crown jewel match, probably between the two. Someone yes. to look at. It's one of those where there's certain things on this show, one of which is absolutely mouthwatering. You think, ah, oh, it's going to happen to Crown Jewel. Yeah. Which is a shame because they're cursed events. This is going to be stupidly fun. Yeah. The six-year-old in me is pretty much dead. <laughs> pretty much dead. I'm a husk of an adult, constantly exhausted. But, you know, part of me watch the Goonies on a Sunday night with a smile. <laughs> it is exact that exact part of me that will watch... Strowman versus a moss. Yeah. And think, oh, I used to feel something for these sorts of things. And I will enjoy it greatly. Greatly. Yeah. You know when uh, you used to describe, and like, we've still yet to have it happen, I don't think, but you, uh, you used to describe the idea of, uh, like, the Big Bang is how the world begins. And Kenny Omega and Hangman Page run into each other. Uh, Buckshot Lariat versus V-Trigger is yes. how the world ends. Uh, start and end. Like, another version of that is... Braun Strowman and Omos like run into each other. That first collision needs to be protected at all costs, yeah. isn't it? Because it's better in your head than it can ever be. In oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the world explodes, stops spinning because these two giant men have gone. Shoulder, <laughs> shoulder blocks. Like that's. But right now it's everything. It's absolutely everything. Um, uh, we could go backstage if you wanted here because Jey Uso um, is asking Sami Zayn to at least acknowledge that it was him that helped him get the win in the opening match. Uh, but Sami claims to have not seen that, and it was all him. Solo Sokoa was much the same because Solo Sokoa was too focused and too invested in his own business, which tonight is winning the uh, shot at Gunther's Intercontinental title. Uh, and Sammy is uh, pleased that Solo is following in the footsteps of uh, the Uso family tradition, by which he means him beating Kofi Kingston earlier in the night. What did you make of this? Watch, the, watch the tapes. Yeah. Watch the tape. Yeah. Not being funny. If you go on YouTube mere hours after this broadcast is finished, the performers will be able... 2C, because it's not EastEnders, yep. right? It's not this world. It's not Dallas to try and just... If one match got 300 million hits on YouTube, that would be the first thing the wrestler says in the following promo next yes. week's Raw. right. I'm the, the most viewed guy on the internet, well, so you can be viewed It's, it's not Breaking Bad. Yep. It's not EastEnders. It's not any other kind of fictional show that doesn't take place in the real world, or at least the one we're living in. It is performed live in front of an arena full of people. It's a thing that happens. It's a show, but it's also a card, a sporting event that everyone knows is happening in the world right now. They could simply just go, oh, well, you know, we could either seek out the replay because it was filmed mm -hmm. and we know we were being filmed, right? Or we'll say, all right, okay, agree or disagree, but we'll get the truth of the matter in a matter of hours. Yes. And we don't have to keep arguing about this on Raw and then the next episode of SmackDown and the Raw after that because we could just simply determine the answer. The guys at .com are pleasingly quick at getting pictures and videos of their content uploaded yes. so that we can review this. And if we ask, we could just get it even quicker than <laughs> yeah. the plebs in the real world watching on their smartphones. I hate to be the pedantic guy because I really enjoy this storyline. But I've said this before, on a fundamental level, WWE television is by default the absolute worst thing from a logical <laughs> perspective yeah. that you'll get on television. It's just, it's stupid. It is fundamentally stupid and you can just get the thread and just pick at it and the whole thing falls apart. 
I want this storyline to be better than WWE bollocks, but it isn't because WWE fundamentally is bollocks, and that's why I have such a huge problem with it. I'm, I shouldn't be asking these basic questions. No. I shouldn't be I shouldn't be screaming at the characters. Well, you're idiots. You're absolute idiots because you're not doing this. Mm-hmm. Just watch your own thing. It's available to me to watch. It's available to you to watch. It's just too stupid. Just watch the tapes. Just watch the tapes because it's a the stupidest, dumbest, most glaring contrivance ever that they just don't watch the tapes. Is it fair to say as well that because I feel like this and I don't know if you do too, but I, I tend to be more invested in WWE across the board, but I'm especially invested in this story right now. Is it fair to say that the quality of the story for the most part is what makes you scrutinise and pick at something like that? I think one thing motivates the other. The better this is, the more you want to look at I want at. it to be better. Don't fall over like that, because Roman Reigns has rang up and said, right, Raw didn't go to plan. Like, so make he's sure, watched it. He's watched it. Make sure Sammy wins. Like, Roman could just see this and be like, Sammy, mate, he did it. Jay did what... Like, even if they don't watch the tape... Get another call from the tribal chief. Yeah. Like, have this segment be to set up, Yeah, like, Roman ringing again and being like, oh, thanks, Jay. And Sam being like, oh, God, I, I, like, I need to get back in the tribal chief's yeah. good books because he likes Jay again. Like, they need to, like, need, they can do what they want. But ideally, the next development in this story, whether it be on Raw or SmackDown, should be Sammy being like, all right, yeah, Jay, you did. Now, I, like, fullness of time, I did watch the tape. Thanks for your help. This... Can at, at its absolute best, it shouldn't even happen, but it can only stand for the duration of this broadcast. But every time that Jericho and MGF were flirting with the idea that they were trying to outwit one another in like yes. shadowy secret, they would just, with brilliant co- comedic panache, the next week just say something to the effect of, you know, I watch a show. Yeah, yeah. Don't you, get one over. I watched the show that was broadcast live. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I watched it. So we would always go, "Are you watching the show?" Then yeah. instantly, they go, "You know, I watched it." <laughs> and this is where I get the hackles up. It's where I get defensive about my AEW, even though it isn't at its hottest, and I get no, pelters yeah. for saying that. It still takes care of these details. No, it's really important. So much more than WWE does. So when I get people who are like, "It's best thing on telly." Best thing in wrestling telly. Well, it kind of is, but it also isn't because it's fundamentally stupid and it winds me up. It's, I think as well, like, you know, it's if, if it sounds like we're getting too deep on one backstage vignette, I think it's because, again, like, to, to expand this beyond just the bloodline, Triple H has been given an awful lot of credit. Uh, loads and loads and loads by people that are probably just doing it for a little bit of clout. I would argue not enough by some circles that just really refuse to, I'm probably not watching, in truth, yeah. and not seeing it. And then there are grades, I would like to think, where me and you sit somewhere in the middle of I being think like, I'll be sitting in the middle. You know, and I, think, and I think that's probably where his credit belongs as well. Like, if you want to get from that mid-tier of credit to people being like, you know what, cards on the table. Like, the last, say, like, this time next July, the last 12 months have been good, and he's cracked down on this, and he's cracked down on this. That's way beyond giving people the first names or saying wrestling in a promo. That's like, he's, yeah. he's cracked down on this, he's fixed this. Like, Bear in mind, what we haven't even acknowledged, our expectations are fundamentally so low, neither of us in this discussion have said, by the way, the invisible camera's right there in their faces discussing this private yeah. online business. We can, like, I've said this before, that is something I could tolerate more than uh, the Young Bucks, what was the segment with... Um, uh, when it was magically at Don Callis's house for Don some Callis, reasons. that was it, yeah. It was like, you've gone so far explaining that, I would rather you just not yeah. talked about it because that's what's made me think of it. Like, we're forgiving the invisible camera to pick at something, I'm not. Way, I, should but, have, I should have mentioned it. But like, way more important yeah. in the like in the short term is to fix that. So if he's going to be held up as making these big changes, rather than just taking the free passes of it, be this goes from well, it's better than when Vince had it to well, you've made some fundamental change. Yeah, and I think that's why it's worth picking up on this stuff yeah. because he's now putting it out there to be analysed as being better, isn't he? Rather yes. than just the clown show. Um, 
Speaking of the end of the clown show, in one respect, it was the uh, the SmackDown return of LA Knight. Yeah. Um, he was taking on, obviously, his former colleague in the Maximum Male Models, Mansoir. Um, this is not, you know, when we sort of say, not a lot to review here, basic back and forth, a couple of minutes, uh, and, you know, the returning star gets the win. You say that when it's just a throwaway match. The problem is, that's kind of the problem nobody likes to talk about with LA Knight, is that a lot of his matches are just, yeah, kind of throwaway back and forth, not much happened. Uh, he gets the win with the, uh, the BFT, the Blunt Force Trauma, like... I love LA Knight, but sometimes it's a lot, yeah. a lot of LA Knight stuff in there. Like he, he's yeah. that kind of guy. Um, but he uh, he was coming out there, like even little things like he comes out the ring and uh, Samantha Irvin uh, says, LA Knight. And he just to himself, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, he's walking down, just pops himself at the mirror, like sound of his own name. He knows this character. He's super locked in and super cool. Um, and then, so he beats, he beats them, yeah. Uh, and the maximum models are completely dispatched. And I do worry for how much Triple H is having fun with them or how much he's just going to bin them off, whatever. But then, like, after the fact, it's uh, he doesn't say these words, but he kind of does the, I want to thank each and every one of you, yeah, for absolutely, absolutely nothing. nothing, yeah. And he does this whole thing where he calls everybody in cells and says, you think I did that for you? Yeah, I did it for LA night. So he's off and running, uh, you know, a big win, does away with one set of characteristics. On to the next thing, a push, you would imagine, is forthcoming as a heel. I like this. Okay. I genuinely like this. If he just... Operates as a baby face, and yet you're in the audience when I say you. Um, if your entire frame of reference is this guy, I think he was on NXT, and he's just saying, Yeah, because it wasn't a huge year, let's be fair. Yeah, it yeah, wasn't, yeah. Was it? we were all very excited for it, yes, but it was he was for an audience, not necessarily yes, the audience, yes. Yeah. So, if the whole idea here is all right, okay, well, he was in NXT, he's got this yeah thing, that sounds like it could be fun to say, maybe I'm a little bit. No one else is saying it around us in, yeah. in the bleacher, so I'm not going to say it. And all right, he's this wacky guy who is a, meant to be a goodie, and he says these things in a pretty tepid call and response. I think they need to turn him first before they turn him babyface. Mm-hmm. The fans need to organically connect with LA Knight as a heel, who's a good heel as well. He's a better working heel too. Better working heel, just his attitude screams heel. Uh, he has to be heel before he's a babyface first, and he's never really been heel under the guise of LA Knight. People need to be charmed by the yeah thing. Yeah. They need to be saying it. It's like, I don't care that I'm meant to be booing them. This yeah thing's too funny. I think this ha- needs to happen organically and in wrestling's weird way, they need to engineer these organic reactions as <laughs> yeah. a baby face while he's the heel whilst he's a heel first. Otherwise it's just kind of empty call and response BF Skinner conditioning. Mm-hmm. and they're not actually connecting with the character or allowing him to get over and bond with the audience first. So the second that he started calling them incels, I was like, great, because it, it, he is pastiche. But it'll be pastiche of pastiche if it's just some guy coming out and saying, yeah, yeah. It's fun, it's fun to say what you say it. It's just absolute mid-card death if they are tre- really trying to force it. So they're still trying to force it, but not... Do you know what I mean? No, I do. I think yeah. that's... And what you're suggesting there, then, is that this heel character, to be a heel and then to effectively get over as a babyface, because he... Like, he's got the odd flashy move that a babyface needs, but he can ex- certainly expand his repertoire, and he's a he's solid. Solid to yeah. occasionally good hand is better working as a heel, and then you get your spots over, and it's those that become... Yeah, Whether yeah. it be 10 punches in the corner, whatever it is, anything can get over. But it just... You, he hasn't got a backflip to start with. So, yeah. Can't, I guess, like, what you're suggesting there is that you are willing to give WWE... Say six to eight months with an LA night heel. Yes, run. I am. Like so that like that suggests at least that Triple H 
which I guess he kind of did in NXT. The Cameron Grimes stuff, if any, for anybody that watched it or at least listened to our podcast yeah. at the time, that existed to show the fun side of LA Knight, but he was the, he was the villain of the piece yeah. with that, wasn't he? When he yeah. was taking Cameron Grimes' million-dollar title and the relationship with Ted DiBiase and all that kind of thing. So there's no reason to suggest it won't work, and Triple H presumably... No, we've got previous, you know? Because if you just debut as this act and it's just ready-made and you've got catchphrases already and you just, oh, here are some baby faces now and it's ultimately very shallow... WWE fans will grasp that it's very shallow. Yeah. What's the next segment here? Is it a good segue? Uh, what, for shallow? Yeah. It's it's the uh, Damage Kataral versus Baby Fist. I thought it was going to be Hit Row. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Because that was... Uh, I can't give you quite that. You got you blew my spot. You want fans to uh, cheer for Pucci rather than ask, where's Pucci? Yes. Yeah, you could actually get him over. Uh, oh, yeah, we will get to Hit Row. Um, but in the meantime, we've got Damage Kataro versus Raquel Rodriguez, Roxanne Perez, and Shotzi. I should point out that this was um, set up in a backstage vignette where um, Bailey was angry that uh, Roxanne Perez had elected to choose Raquel Rodriguez for the Picky Poison match uh, against Cora Jade on Tuesday's NXT. Cora Jade will be on Raw tonight um, to pick her opponent for Roxanne Perez. We will preview Monday Night Raw later and perhaps speculate on who that might be. But this was your kind of your Insta setup to uh, a six-woman match, which had not a lot of much going on. Until a pretty awesome and let's be honest, transparent segment in which Bailey and Roxanne Perez had some really incredible exchanges because Bailey was doing that thing she does where she's like, What am I really here for? If I'm not winning, I might as well try and get some people over. She comes across as somebody that wants to yeah. elevate as many people as she possibly can. I was gutted for them that quite an intricate finish ever so slightly fell apart. Seconds can feel like minutes in yeah. wrestling. And that really cool tight rose plant counter just came away at the seams a little bit. If that have if she'd have rolled through from the rose plant into like a tight cradle, that would have made for such an awesome Aye. finish. Not only did Bailey give her the kick out from the Bailey to belly, she's given her a counter to what is now her her new finisher, a proper finisher. So I was so good for them that I just fell apart ever slightly because otherwise I thought like Roxanne Perez's baby face fire and let's be honest of like all of six minutes, that's kind of what this match existed for. The other four were put out on the floor with the, the EO Sky high spot. So they were left to give you this minute and a half. Like, totally achieved it. Roxanne Perez, um, we've said this with NXT, a level above, is there a really obvious reason why? He likes to yet again fire a few arrows at the Performance Center. I know she's only young. I know maybe, like, developmental is the best place just for another year, a bit of seasoning here and there. But Good before she was very good before she got there, but even maybe not because this division has felt in absolute ruin. And instantly, it felt like there was a wrestler that you could inject yeah. a, a bit of fun into. She was it. very good before she got to the performance center. It hasn't worked to actively make her bad, but like it can sometimes do. Mm-hmm. Shotzi Blackheart, um, <laughs> yeah, Shotzi in this match wasn't particularly great, but she wasn't in there very long. Um, it was weird because it was getting a bit like thrilling, yeah, when the melee was happening on the outside. It's like, have you just done a move on your own partner? What did oh, you yeah, she it? smashed a cut of guy with it. Yeah. yeah. I was like, all right, I was getting electrifying for a moment. I <laughs> that, but ultimately, that wasn't the, the objective. The objective here is to introduce a new wrestler to the audience with the cynical purpose of trying to get that audience to watch NXT in greater number than AEW. But still, the reports are that Roxanne Perez really, really impressed people. Mm-hmm. And those people were in the audience, sat at home, and in key influential management positions. So ultimately, this is an absolute success. That one botch aside, but who cares? Yeah. Well, well done to Bailey. What a great person she is. That was like a, like just what a like wrestler's wrestler performance to give her that couple yeah. of minutes. And like obviously she gets Bailey. I should say like Bailey obviously gets the win. 
Um, so they're kind of, I guess what they'll be trying to use this is as a win for Bailey to say, see, losing streak, what losing streak? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in reality, that's kind of perfect because she's beaten this, like somebody that was printed as a rookie, but she will now claim this as some like a belt adjacent trophy yeah, yeah, just yeah. to get this one win. Um, any thoughts at the moment on, you know, it's slightly preview fodder, but um, Raquel Rodriguez. I'll save like, it for the preview. I don't want to sales. All I wanted to like note was, it's not, I like Raquel Rodriguez enough. It's not a draw, is it? If not like... They've not really reached outside of the realm here. No, I think what they've done, and we'll delve into the specifics of who we might think will be her opponent um, or things upon or yeah. whatever. They've said, right, okay, we're going to give you one of our prelim talents, but the idea is that the most people are going to... So that... So astute with this sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. They even were under Vince, which made you think, like, why can't you just, like, adapt this? Pretty astute way of thinking into your creative. Actually, mm. think about what you're doing as a product because they are getting the most amount of people on someone who. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Before we go any further though, this show is sponsored by Better Help. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Um, on like, so they get the most people who watch wrestling on a weekly basis, the SmackDown audience, to be aware of the existence of NXT, but if they then don't watch it in enough number to beat AEW, it's also they put Roman on there. No. But at the same time, they're getting people to think about NXT on Tuesday. Yeah. And they are putting someone, in the case of Rodriguez, who's actually not a champion, she's never really been on a pay-per-view yet, I don't think, since she's debuted. No. So there's no shame. She's not one Only of our big bank, stars. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, maybe. But, but yeah, it's quite mm. savvy. They are giving themselves an excuse if it doesn't work but they are still being dastardly enough to try and yes, make it work. It's not Bailey on Tuesday. It was Bailey here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
couple of quick segments here. Ronda Rousey's now going to be running the rule of the women's division on SmackDown. And uh, the Viking Raiders uh, got another one of their um, Sarah Logan-inspired vignettes yeah. where it's all dark Viking imagery. It's not my thing. I don't think it's your thing. If it's other people's things, they're going to love this. Uh, on this, because they're coming back, and Sarah Logan's coming with them, and they've done this uh, vicious Viking Raiders heel turn beforehand. Um, I, I, it's a bit fiend-adjacent, this. I hate it. But it's super committed, and some people are going to love this, aren't they? I think like, so. Some people are going to get this. One of the same people who bury Chris Jericho's wife are going to bury uh, two of the people involved in this act. Worth, or are worth they identifying that? Or are <laughs> yeah. they just going to be exposed as rampant tribalist hypocrites? I think it will take two weeks of them being back on television for like one person to do it. Here's my social media deep dive on these guys, and then people have already done it. it just has not really been retweeted. They're not as relevant as ultimately. As Chris I'm not a fan of the Viking Raiders. No, I'm not mega high on them either. Nor am I supremely high on Hit Row. And are mm, I am. Of, not for the right reasons, yeah. mind you. And RWWE is maybe the question that we were left asking after this. Uh, we realised what the board. Yeah, it was like Ardell Fantasma and Hit Row here. This was a match one week after the um, shock heel beatdown was a surprise in and of itself until you witnessed all... Yeah, they're uh, not going to build to this, are they? 85 seconds of it yeah. when Hit Row were just comfortably, comfortably dispatched. Um, yes, there was a bit of... Uh, Jiggery pokery on the outside um, where Santa Escobar pulled down Ashanti the Adonis but then did the sort of sell as if to say, oh, it's just a skirmish. There's no, like, don't need to disqualify as ref. And then that was, the guard Del Fantasma were able to get the win as a result of it. Um, I, I think it hit real suck. Yeah. But, like, yeah. Their bo- but their bosses shouldn't think that. No, they shouldn't. But ultimately he hasn't done his due diligence. No. He's, he might, right. They're trying to just word this as carefully as humanly possible, right? If in fact... He's reached out to certain contracted AEW <laughs> reporters. And AEW seem to believe this. Hey, what is this? An Andrade segment that's really boring? Like their <laughs> chief legal officer was purported to have written a letter saying, mm. don't do that anymore, which would indicate to me that they've done it. Maybe, and I'm just putting some names out there, in a hypothetical scenario, they might have rang up someone who used to be in Hit Row. Yeah. And then they've realized, oh, you can't get you Could back. be anybody. We're not naming could names. Be, we're not naming names. Could be anyone. And then realize, all right. That's kind of why we signed Hit Row, because we thought you would come back, but you can't. <laughs> so we're stuck with Hit Row. You can tell by the booking that this is what's happened. Yeah. You can kind of tell from the booking that this is what and appears to have happened, because we can't obviously say with any certainty that it did. Crickets for the like the raps as well. They, they, like the, the they, fan, they, There was a try. Here's, here's three minutes of television time. Tell them who you are. And the fans are like, we know who you are. We don't care. Yeah. So they don't want to do the call and response to what they ultimately perceive as a shallow act that they are just being told. Oh, they're baby faces, because they do baby face things like try and get the crowd going with some catchphrases. That's what Ellie Knight could have turned into. Yeah. But then again, he's nowhere near as atrocious as Top Dollar, <laughs> who, I would, who I would describe as delightfully atrocious. There was a squash the other week when they kind of cared about them until like the next NXT act came along. The idea that they try to sell us on commentary as well as the other bad blood in NXT. Yeah. It's like, did this no one cares? And they just they don't really seem like they're hating each other when they do their moves. That's so fascinated by how bad Top Dollar is. It's great. <laughs> it is so great. Like, I get so much perverse pleasure out of hyper-scrutinizing everything he does on a second-by-second, almost frame-by-frame basis, actually. Yeah. So the other week, they win a squash match. I think he's got the, the two jobbers when he does his move on uh, two yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So he leans back and then puts him on the mat. I watched this. I was so delighted that I showed Murray in the office the other week. He does, like, the Undertaker eye thing. <laughs> And I was like, do you do that on purpose for dramatic effect? Or are you just like, you have nothing, no, there's nothing in there, love, let's be honest. 
And then he's just like, uh, he just looks funny when he's doing things because he's just not meant to be doing them because he's not a very good pro wrestler. Who's the referee? And you'll know this. The name escapes me. I should have researched this before pressing record. God damn it. So referee who had the signature bump where he would make himself stiff as a board. Mm. He would sort of fall backwards. The back of his head would hit the top, middle, and then bottom rope. Yeah. Who was it? Oh, I can't remember. No, that was a big thing for it. Was a great signature could, oh, bump. I forget who it is. I'm sorry. Top Dollar kind of makes that moment when he's running the ropes. <laughs> so it's like so useless that when like, he's got no propulsion, he can't just jump into it like Shingo Takagi. Oh, you know what? Because we're fair broadcasters, mm. despite our personal opinions, The Undertaker could run the ropes like a goddamn monster. Yeah. He's unbelievable at it. He has, Top Dollar, anti-Taker Shingo energy, where it's like... One of the worst hot tags I've ever seen. One of the worst hot tags. When he tries to run the ropes or rebound off the ropes. So he does this thing where he just he looks like he's taking the comedy bump where you go yeah. off each rope. <laughs> that's him trying to like launch himself off it. So he goes. That's how that's how I pronou- <laughs> that's how he sounds when he's in the ring. He says, I'm gonna do it again. He comes back in. And then he goes, like, that's what I sound like when we're getting up off a chair now. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes, he's a little taunt when he's doing his little dance, right? Road dog backstage, turn that up to 11. Yeah, turn that up to 11, top dollar. And he does his little dance. This takes 10 seconds in succession. And the crowd aren't with him for any of it. So it's not like The Rock can take the piss with the people's elbow. That's top dollar when his class is doing his thing. So he goes, Doing the dance, doing the doing the little dance, doing the little dance. Road dog told me to do it, and then the stupid asshole <laughs> takes a flat back, yeah, so hard on his own back, and then goes eh <laughs> with his elbow. He's not driving his elbow into someone's no. sternum with a bread basket or the solar plexus. He's just going eh after like smashing himself back first onto the canvas and just going eh. He's giving himself a. He's bumping himself, yeah, and then a little bit of an elbow maybe to the stomach. To drive your elbow into someone's <laughs> gut. He's useless, but I love him. I love Top Dollar. Like I, I don't think he's long for. It's not looking great for them. It's not looking great, but maybe they'll put them in NXT or something. Well, what I was thinking about this right, yes, but what a demotion that scans us. Oh no. Because if not that, like you know, we watch NXT every week, and it is absolutely under duress. It's yeah, it is way more developmental than it was the last time Hit Row were there. But when the main roster wrestlers appear on it, it's always as like uh, thought I'd step down and see what was going on down here. Like yeah. the implication is very clear. There are levels to this, and this is one below. Like Hit Row, Hit Row have come to take over NXT for six to eight months minimum. Yeah, like, how, how's that? Like, how can they possibly couch that as anything other than? This has gone badly wrong. This has gone badly wrong. Like Triple H being like, your problem, Sean. Like, have a, have a crack. useless. Yeah. So, and, and that's coming across, and certainly the booking as well. You're not feeling any different. Legato, to be fair, like off to a pretty good start as well. Like this, it almost felt like they had to, like WWE were telling you this was a ghost from their past. That ghost has been exercised in two weeks. Yes. Like that is weird done. Like give them something brand new to do and nobody will bat an eyelid, I don't think. Um, the next segment was... Absolutely terrible and sort of brilliant in equal measure, I think. Sonny Deville, for no reason, oh, this is, bad. is like, it's one of these completely unnatural 
WWE nobody talks like this deals where the interviewer was like, "Hi, Sonya Deville, what are you up to this weekend?" Liv Morgan's a goddamn asshole. She's yeah, the yeah. trash, most useless one of all. Asking if you had any plans, to be honest. But yeah, all right. So she's just tearing it. Liv Morgan being the worst champion of all time, like absolutely worse than garbage, all this sort of stuff. So we get. Um, an AEW like corridor interruption where the one person you didn't want to be walking around the corridor yeah. ready to absolutely kill you is that person. But she absolutely kills her. Like Liv Morgan seemingly in some sort of response to one of the worst weapons matches of all time just absolutely beats the dog sh- out of Sonya Deville with every single thing in sight. Does the one spot that like me and Wilborn on the SmackDown review praises at the time. It's not like we were talking about over the desks, but like... I thought it looked really good. That week when she did the sent on onto Lacey Evans from the ring post to the table through the floor. Yeah. It was like, it was all framed as like, she's gone crazy, but the spot was pretty cool. And they read it here again where she climbed a bit of the staging area. I like, by the way, now they've pulled back. You know the ring post set thing they've got? Yes. That was in the pandemic. They had just had a ring there. So they've done the rings. And now when you see it as a set, it's like a little, they look like, like a little action figure yeah, prop, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Like a little corner post. Pulls away from that completely, throws her into everything, puts her through a table, like leaves her absolutely did so we're on this route now to live morgan's completely lost it a useless way to arrive at that but i did quite like the physicality like i've and it, like i wish you'd laid it in in the match there's a kick that missed by about a good foot oh maybe that's my entire point blown up then i don't know yeah, like just, i just like i just thought she hoid her into everything maybe like sonia deville was selling it and i was into that as well but like it's just weird unfortunate i guess deville's got to provide dual purpose here of like being tre- like garbage on SmackDown while being the new surrogate uh, leader of Toxic Attraction over on NXT, but we can kind of let that off for the reasons. Ju- it just scanned to me as they're really trying to force this overcorrect into existence. Yeah. And I find it... Insult... Yeah, insulting. It's... Uh, I don't know... We treat her like rubbish in our creative process. Now she's going to kick so much ass. It's like... Yeah. Is she? Because I don't believe it. It's, and it's your fault that I don't believe it. Well, this is it. Like, learning from mistakes is one thing, and it's a perfectly good narrative device to use. But the mistakes scanned completely as the company being incompetent. Yes. So it's hard then to buy that this is live. Like, what's she growing and developing from? The fact that she was badly booked. She, like, she's growing from the problems of reality yeah. rather than from fiction. Yeah, the thing with Liv is I always feel like she's performing. I can never, yeah. ever so, shake yep. the idea that she's just performing mm-hmm. and not embodying a character and making it feel real it just feels quite fake to me okay i think i do think there's a good performer in there yeah i've seen matches she had one with Asuka like really early in the pandemic and i'm thinking there's a, there's a wrestler there yeah but whenever she gets inserted into a story i think she gets overwhelmed by how synthetic everything is and it's not a good fit i think she could benefit from leaving and Doing a run. I thought there'd be a break. I'm surprised that they've gone straight back to it. I don't it. want to petition for her to leave, and they obviously think a lot of her, and she obviously has a following. I just think that if she were to leave voluntarily mm. and really find herself, which is ironic because she's been prattling on about it for quite some time, I think it could do the world of good. Because yeah. I think there is a performer there, and I don't think WWE is capable of unlocking it. I think that's fair. Um, we go to the uh, number one contenders match for Gunther's Intercontinental title, a fatal four-way, which is advertised at the start of the show. Um, it's Seamus, it's uh, Solo Sikawa, it's Ricochet, and it's the added fourth member. Because- sing, mate. No, sorry. <laughs> sing, mate. Oh my god. 
There we go. Uh, the added fourth member, Ray Mysterio. He's replacing the injured carrying cross. And as Michael Cole explains to us on commentary, uh, obviously a deal has been struck between Ray Mysterio and Triple H for Ray to move to SmackDown. It's great that, right? Just before we get to the match, I love this detail because now that Ray Mysterio's on SmackDown, Dominic can't get to him because uh, the Bloodline definitely worked both shows and Omos and MVP didn't show up on the SmackDown. So luckily, yes. this is Ray's perfect escape from Don. Like, all snark aside... You have to be generous with this, and I don't want to be generous yet. I don't want to be generous yet, but we all started to think, if they got Dominic and Ray on the whiteboard for WrestleMania, this to me is, yes, yeah. they do. They absolutely do, and this is as good a way as any, I think, to preserve that, especially because of the result, which we'll get to. This was, um, I'm not one for the play-by-plays that Will Bond does such a fantastic job of, but if I describe this as a typically brilliant, all-action WWE Fatal 4 you will know the layout of this match. There was very little dead air here. There was, uh, wasn't much in the way of, like, tag in, tag out. Once all four were at it, and they were completely at it here. Super physical. Um, I do want to highlight a couple of things for specific praise. Uh, we've talked recently about uh, Triple H and stables, and indeed um, characters having real enough lives that they can eat, like effortlessly be folded into other storylines because they're just living, breathing characters now. Uh, there was a point in this match where the Bloodline, obviously back in Solo Sokoa, took to attacking Sheamus to try and take out the match. What did that do? Sheamus is a babyface with mates. That brought out the brawling brutes to try and subdue the Bloodline. Bang. You've finally injected the bloodline and brawling brutes into a feud together, yeah. which will get us to the Seamus Roman Reigns match, which was made apparent by just how over Seamus was as a babyface. Basics being done to the very best yes. of their abilities, and so, so nice to see because this is the exact way you do it. And the exchange at the very end between Rey Mysterio and Ricochet. Oh, my God. Don't just my god. Oh, my god. <laughs> I think like you throw one of them in first. Um, Zlatan. Ricochet counters the 619. Uh, by capturing Rey Mysterio's head with his legs until they are in a handstand position, which then Rey Mysterio reverses into something more dangerous than the most dangerous spike power drive you've ever seen. Oh my God. Which bounces, physically bounces Ricochet back into the position to hit the 619, at which point he holds up top, hits him with his uh, his version of Eddie Guerrero's frog splash and gets the win. Cuts a nice um, promo down the lens, like very on the nose of Rey Mysterio. He just can't help being such an earnest guy. Kind yeah. of Mysterio was like, I'm here. My life's back on these. He's laying out the whole story for you. My life's back on track, on SmackDown. I'm going to win the Continental title. I want to shout out to Andrew Dice Clay on Twitter who made the point and then took some pelters for it because Twitter's weird, but made the point that it was quite a WCW thing for a wrestler to speak down the lens to a camera mid-ring in celebration of a match. Jesus Christ, yes it is. You never ever see this, and it was like a cool thing that they let Ray do it. I think people might be getting conflated with the hard cam that captures people as yeah. opposed to people li- directly locating a, a ringside camera operator. Naked, breathy, glory, victory. Yeah. Like, just full of beans that they just won a match, a big match at that, and maybe like Ray, little Ray can get his life back on track with an intercontinental title match. I kind of loved all of this. Yes, because the difference, um, if you're wondering in good faith what it is, is that a WWE performer will look vaguely at a stand of people with the idea of being, he's talking to every one of you, mm. right? And, and when John Cena said, that's why I call my spots loudly. Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. An idiot. Rose needs to hear that I'm going to get an elbow smash in a minute. What an idiot. He's an idiot. That was the stupidest thing. I like John Cena more than you, but that's the stupidest thing he ever said. I think that's the stupidest thing anyone's ever said (laughs) in wrestling, and Ryback's in it. Yeah. With the idea being that he's projecting it to each and every one of you. And I think in Vince's stupid head, if you do the thing where you talk down the lens, fire, trying to establish a personal connection, um, with a ringside camera operator, it's like, well, there's more than one person watching. We need to be big. Mm. That's... I, I, I... 
thank God I'm not Vincent Mann's psychiatrist and don't know how his brain <laughs> actually works. That's how I think it works. Yeah. But no, this four-way, scintillating by the finish, lots of setup. The idea, and I hope it doesn't happen in the Saudi show because it's more canonical and it feels less like, feels like they've grown that audience over there. Mm-hmm. And yet again, just to reiterate, I do not represent one bit the people of Saudi Arabia nope. going to watch the shows and enjoying it and feeling like it's more canonical. That's not the problem. And if you're a good, loyal listener, you know that. I just want it to be it's something less ugly because Rey Mysterio versus Walt is ridiculous. Yeah. It's got potential to be absolutely harrowing. It's got the uh, the potential to heighten every emotion you experience watching wrestling. Like, deepest sympathy. Like... The idea that you're being enchanted by someone magically fighting against this much bigger badass, brutally violent, perfectly well-crafted and built and worked. But the idea that you might, if you just get behind him enough, that you could beat him. Yeah. It could be magic, this. It really could be magic. There is a nice um, element here where Ray would rather put himself in front of Gunther's chops than his own son's weak punches. Yeah. Like, one is... So, so the Rey Mysterio character, one is much more preferable. Than the, yes, he might win the Intercontinental title, but he knows he's got to try and somehow beat Gunther. That's more preferable yeah. to him than that. Um, I We've talked about War Games and um, the Bloodline feel like the natural five to go in there and who they go against, and Kevin Owens makes obvious sense for all those obvious reasons. Um, I'm starting to manifest a super team of Kevin Owens plus a babyface plus the Brawling Brutes uh, as a war. Like, if you need to capture the spirit of a fight and Brawling Brutes... Owens, are, Gargano, Brawling Brutes yeah, versus like, the Bloodline. Then you can do the Owen Zane stuff. Yeah, and, Gargano gets to be the Arn Anderson. I'll work the first five minutes, boss. Yeah. That sort of thing, you know. Um, Brawling Brutes are just having these matches at the moment. You're right off the back of the Donnybrook where you've... Well, imagine slapping two cages across that. Why, why won't that be fun, you know? Um, instantly, that was what it took me to. And I feel like that, like... Because we've already seen in the response to Sheamus' game where you have to run him against Roman Reigns. Yeah. You have to do it at least once. One bro kick is going to be really exciting yeah. for the Roman Reigns match. So you've got to do it. This is... I just love that. I love that this is this is absolutely the way to get to it. And it's felt completely organic yeah. in doing so as well. And they it could they could have done it by just saying, right, Sheamus wants a title shot. And instead, they've gone right the way around and build more and more matches before you get there. Yeah. Quite nice. We're here. Sige, it's time to talk. Oh, yeah. Ray Wyatt. Um, WWE had promoted his appearance all night. Um, we got a kind of um, a do-over of the Extreme Rules entrance with the door, um, which I was seeing called like the Brody Lee door because they've used like the blue light that mirrors his arrival in AEW. Which I, you know, I hope it is. That's a nice tribute if that's That'll the case. Also, yeah. And like certainly Bray would would reference him in this promo as well. Um, he comes out with the lantern entrance, so it's all spooky. He's got some new music. The fireflies are still all there and that. But um, it's when he gets in the ring that this pivots ever so slightly. He is dressed for him. in He's in all in black and stuff, but he's in normal clothes. You're not seeing all the big tattoos. That He's got his hair tied back rather than all down. And he's just extremely emotional. And for Bray, and like we've, we've done this for years, and everybody listening, and most people listen when we're not huge fans, it comes across as quite authentic in it too. He's doing that croaky voice thing, and I'm a little flare up at first, but yeah. then he just starts speaking very earnestly about a difficult couple of years. Um, he doesn't say it outright that obviously got fired and that really sucked but he just talks about loss subject of loss he uh, has lost his job lost his purpose lost his way lost people in his life uh, his grandmother and of course Brody Lee and just all of these things and how the one thing he never lost was the people and that's ideal because it's true like this company like the White Rabbit 
relies on people doing all that legwork and then a character having seen people do that legwork can say it and it can be real. So that's such a baby-faced trait, isn't it? Like he is speaking the truth. There is objective evidence that, yes, people were with him. They They will follow this guy to the ends of the earth. And he needed that because at his lowest ebb, seeing that he had these people and had these, doesn't call people followers. He just says having the people was what helped him get back up and find his way. And he's indeed found his way back to WWE. And, you know, we don't know what's next, but at least now this is a chance to make right, you know, pulling himself up from rock bottom. Here we are to what's next. It's cutting a, feels like a nice work shoot way to bring Bray Wyatt and Wyndham Rotunda back into the the cycle of WWE. And then he is cut off by... A uh, video on the Titantron, which is like a bunch of flashing images. Uh, his the new Bray Wyatt iconography that we've seen, the uh, black phone, the dark phone, whatever that mask is. Whatever it the is. The new I spooky know. mask, the new spooky mask. And the messaging of the spooky mask seems to be directed not at the people, but at Bray himself. Uh, forget your past, forget your future, come with me, blah, blah, blah. And it's an entire new spe- spooky creature or some form, basically, and this is what I inferred from this, suggesting that Bray... You think you can run from all the bollocks over the last few years. The bollocks will always catch up with you, mate. And you are trapped with the bollocks, whether you like it or not. And this bollocks is worse than any of the bollocks that came before. And I'm using bollocks on purpose because I am approaching this very sort of cautiously. Yes. Very cautiously. I really, really enjoyed this in spite of everything I would have expected to feel watching this. Um, I'll get your thoughts on it as well. But I I watched this a couple of times over the weekend and... This is, a loft comparison I know, this is the WWE version of them trying to do Hangman Hangman Page Page mental health arc. They can only do it their way, and it has to involve masks and things that you can slap on the merchandise stand and wackiness and all that sort of stuff. But if you were ever going to kind of bury The Fiend or bury The Eaters of World or maggots on the ring post or a box-like structure or whatever, this is an absolutely inspired way to do it because it's as if now... All of those things are the demons, and they're the things chasing Bray Wyatt, who was actually trying to make this work this time. I'm very, very encouraged by Chapter 2, and I've never said that about a Bray Wyatt arc ever. This was staggering, basically. Um, I would describe this as, without being my thing, it's an infinitely better version of something that isn't my thing, because they've finally, at last, after nine years of absolute ridiculousness that never made sense cohesively as a uh, episodic story or narrative or arc, they've tethered this to reality to a, like at last. Mm. They've tethered it to reality. He's not some boogeyman. He's not some magical powers guy, even though he kind of is. He could even explain it away as metaphor at this point, yeah. which I'll take in the universe the of WWE. Magic powers heal in his own life. Yeah. He doesn't want the magic. He, doesn't want that now. He yeah. wants to just be brave and come out and thank yeah. him. Yeah. All this new like abstraction or whatever, this new demon on the screen could be a not necessarily a representation of his bollocks that he no longer wants a part of, but the real demon all along. Mm. The big bad. Because the fiend's not a big bad. Cult leader Bray is not a big bad. And this could be his personal demons as opposed to um like a fictional construct of his failures it could be uh, of his professional or personal failures it could be both but ultimately we are now asked and it's so much easier to receive bray wyatt is a real human being and there might be a metaphorical depiction of his problems um 
this could be a like disassociated personality where you'll play the guy or the masked figure in a battle for who he wants to be Mm -hmm. and then he could play both at the same time or whatever but ultimately there is now the the idea that he's a real human being yeah and it's pivotal to making sense of this and i don't know where it's going and I will be watching, obviously, because I'm contractually obligated. <laughs> but it's, it is fascinating, yeah. and it is somewhat at last convincing, and it's bold as well. Yeah, it's um, yeah, good. That, like, it's not for me, it's, but I'm going to be fair. I think that's it. I think um, what they've done here is, uh, I'm in the it's not for me crowd too, but I think what they've done is they've given everybody that loves Bray Wyatt a brand new reason to love him even more before and give the people that cannot be arsed with him a reason to keep watching. It's the perfect idea yeah. of what you could ever expect from Bray Wyatt Return. For Triple H especially, this was the week, wasn't it? Like, the big thing about the anticipation behind Bray Wyatt and the White Rabbit and everything like that was, well, it's in Triple H's hands. Like, it would be unfair to not give it a chance this time because the, yeah. the parameters are actually different. Um, you were talking there about, you know, if he plays this monstrous version of himself but doesn't want to be the monster. That's what The Fiend could have been. But Vince McMahon is an idiot and scary doink. Conflate. Spooky doink. You just saw Funny Clown. Yeah. Right. That's but that's ultimately probably what Bray Wyatt had in mind when he had the fiend and then it just collapsed within itself, you know, underneath Vince McMahon's crushing thumb. So it might happen all over again. The headlocks might still feel absurd because this guy is involved in something far bigger than a headlock takeover, but yet he's still doing them. Tackle dropped our leapfrog spots. But yeah, early signs are. I I think I saw some um Feedback this weekend suggesting, oh, like Bray Wyatt, yeah, the speaker stuff's back, finished, forget it. I think that's really unfair. I think you can try something You different can see some intent here, here to, yeah. yeah, to like fix a lot of what was so irreversibly yeah. broken. And like, it's a, if nothing else, it's arrested those fears for me initially. I will be fully prepared to just kind of bin this again if and when it fails in front of my very eyes. But I will take what I'm seeing rather than what I can only currently yeah. speculate on. And Chris Jericho speculated that he could be playing this big, elaborate game where he's not, he's only masquerading as a baby face. Yeah as a ploy to do whatever in the future, but everyone's got a different interpretation of it. This is can only, like, from an objective level, you don't know what this new Bray Wyatt is. You want to find out. Yeah. That's what they've achieved here, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if I like it. I don't think I ever will like it. Just not constitutionally my sort of thing, but it's better than what we had. And it's more tethered to reality. And you can actually make sense of this in the context of a... Pretty silly, but still serious wrestling promotion. Yes. If they can get the balance of the promotion right, they can get the balance of this character right. And indeed, what did all of you think of Bray Wyatt? I've seen plenty of feedback on it for the weekend, but feel free to leave the uh, replies in the comments below when this goes up on Twitter. And of course, all your other thoughts on SmackDown. Um, There is also going to be a Rampage review that will be dropping in your feeds pretty much around the same time as this goes out. Uh, And we will be back this afternoon, myself and Michael Sidgwick, with the uh, the Monday Night Raw preview. You can also catch the Dadleys on a C-Squad Monday News special, if that's to your taste. That's on YouTube. Well, anytime from now, I suppose. And if they want to follow you on Twitter, Sidgwick, where can they get you? get me at M Sidgwick. You can get me at Michael Hanford. You can get all of us at What Culture WWE. Thank you very much for listening as always and we will see you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.